Hello and welcome to the Surviving the Waves podcast. I'm your host, Malia, and I'm actually not by myself this time. This is rather exciting. I'm actually going to be introducing some of you for the first time, um, others of you who followed my other podcast for like 50 something episodes together, my co-host for the Therapy with Millennials podcast, Brittany Payne. Welcome, Brittany, to the Surviving the Waves podcast. Hello, everyone. It's Brittany. Woohoo! How are you? I'm good. How are you? I am finally getting over a sinus infection. I'm feeling like myself again. I'm getting really tired of feeling drugged all the time. So it's time to live life to the fullest. So for those of my listeners who don't know who you are, let them know about you. Who is Brittany? I'm Brittany. I'm years old. (laughs) Just for y'all's reference, I didn't censor her age. She did. (laughs) I am uh, Malia's best friend, of course. I mean. (laughs) One of very short lists, honestly. But like she said, I did our Therapy with Millennials podcast with Malia for roughly two years almost. I am a history major. I love all things Korean. And I have a dog. And yep, that's me. A little trivia for the people. What has been your favorite job that you've ever worked? My favorite job? And why? I guess my current one, because I get to teach And I'm learning a language while teaching a language. I think that's really fun. And I like helping other people learn that language. Okay, cool, cool, cool. For this episode, my finale, I want to talk about resting and letting go. So what do you think about those two things? Um, It's hard. (laughs) Same. I agree. Do you consider them to be the same thing or different? Different, definitely. Resting, letting go, those are, yeah, those are different. How are they different for you? Resting is taking a, is a, taking a break from something or um, taking time for yourself. Letting go is not, how do I put this? Letting go is, you're not taking a rest from something. You're, you're literally breaking yourself from that. So it may be restful. But it's not resting. You're not resting. You're letting that go and, 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 and not going back to it. Resting, you're taking some time, you're taking a break, and then you plan to return to that thing. So there's a return involved with resting, but not with letting go. So I find it interesting that those two words hit different with me in my response, but also in, I guess, in my definitions. My definitions are very similar to yours, but automatically when I think of re- the word rest, I think of something that I don't do. So I don't feel like I'm often resting, restful. Like, I don't think that I would characterize myself that way. Oddly enough, today I was. But it's because I it was a random day off. I had all these plans to do stuff. But because I'm recovering from this cold, kind of my body stopped me from doing a lot of that stuff. Initially, for me, there's a little bit of regret. Like, I didn't get all the stuff I had planned done. But I actually do feel actually very restful. Versus letting go feels so permanent. When I think of letting go, I think of permanency, something that I can't go back to, which is interesting for me because I think I would have said that for for me, podcasting is something that I would have let go after we ended ours. Instead of letting go, I actually just rested from it and then came back to it. And it's been surprising for me how that has felt different and how I've characterized that period of my life differently from letting go to resting. So that's been interesting from my standpoint. So I kind of wanted to, what I want to do is kind of go through different periods of each other's lives. Brittany's going to do this more randomly and organically. That's very how she is very organic to life. And I have some questions about her life of whether she feels like it was a period of letting go or a period of rest, or if she would even characterize it differently than that. How's that sound? Um, That sounds great. I am excited. So you guys are meeting Brittany for the first time. And something that you don't know about Brittany is that she actually actually lost her mom while we were both going to school together. Something, one of the moments I think that I really remember is the way you reacted to that situation. I feel like I was prepared to be so 
compassionate towards you, try to take care of you. And when you came back from your mother's passing, you were like ready to like get started and go. And so how, how did you rest? How did you release that, that morning? How did you mourn during that period? What did that even look like for you? Like, how did you decide to keep going? Well, as the years have gone on and, and therapy has happened and stuff, I don't think I've processed it. Well, I maybe I've processed it better now, but at the time, I don't think I really processed it. I did what I would normally do. Um, when I went home for her funeral, I think it was a Wednesday, and, or when I went home, and I was back the following week. And w- when I was there, I was planning, when I was at the funeral and like at home, I was like, I'm not going back to college. I have to take a break. I have to take care of my younger sister, like my dad. I need to take care of him. I have to. I can't. No, I can't continue. But my uncles, my mom's brothers, um, specifically her oldest, the oldest one, they were like, no, you're going to go back to college. It's what your mom would have wanted. You're not going to sit. You're not going to stay here um, and, and wallow in this. Your your dad can take care of himself. He can take care of um, your sister. You're going to go back and you're going to keep busy. And so that's what I did. I kept busy. So there really wasn't maybe resting during that time. It was kind of distracting myself with with everything, with school. I know that the first few weeks were really rough. I broke down a lot in chapel. Um, thankfully, like we go to a school where teachers were very helpful and understanding of when I was late on certain things or just couldn't. But I don't remember really like sitting in that, focusing on it. I just gave it the week of the funeral and then went on with life. And like I said, over time, I've started to process it better. There's been times where I've been really stressed or really freaked out and I can only think of my mom and like, I'd want her there. I've done these moments. I remember one of my coworkers telling me, get in a car, turn on the radio, turn on some sad songs before you drive because you're already losing it. Turn on some sad songs and just cry. Yes. A good, a good forced <laughs> cry. Yeah. So anytime that I want to think of my mom or when I'm thinking of my mom and it's sad, I turn on Supermarket Flowers by Ed Sheeran. And it's a song that his that he wrote from the perspective of his mother who lost her mother. Um, so it hits very hard with me. Now I try to think of instead of it being sad times, I try to in hard times, I try to think of my mother in a, in a happier light. Still, though, when I'm stressed, I it's when I like think about her, like when things hard things are going on in my life, I, I want to turn to her for advice, but I can't. So I try to just think of like what she would have done. And I know that she would have supported me in like all my decisions. She never like stopped me from making my decisions and she just supported me for all of them. So do you feel like because of because of how easily she would release you to go do things is kind of why you have a very adventurous kind of cantanker I would say cantankerous very adventurous kind of go with the flow personality like you you kind of feel and people who experience you kind of feel like you can kind of do anything and you're very okay with doing anything my mom was very I'm very much like my mom so my mom was very much just like we'll make it through we'll do it let's go do that you want to do that let's do that just like a small example, we go to Gatlinburg every year for either 4th of July or Christmas. And if you're from the South, and if you're not, Gatlinburg is a huge tourist spot for the South. And during those holidays, it is filled with people, filled like hundreds of thousands of people or thousands. I don't know, but it feels like hundreds of thousands. But she would, we would go and we would go on the busiest times, 4th of July and Christmas. We would not you most of the time we would not go ahead and book a place in advance we would just drive up there and we would look for vacancies that's an example that i live by you know (laughs) that gives me like so much anxiety i'm not normally a very anxious person but like the thought of that like with it being the holidays if it was not the holidays i don't think i would worry about it so much it's like we can stay anywhere one night is usually my philosophy but the thought of it being the holidays would stress me out so much that i'm like can we just 
go spend the day and come back. Like, I don't mind driving late at night. It's fine. <laughs> so that's where I get my, you know, if people wonder about my my personality or like the things that I do. It's from my mama. I really wish I had gotten the chance to meet her. I feel like people say that when when you hear that, like someone that you care about, you didn't get to experience someone that they love. But genuinely, like your mom and two other people are like the people that I, I didn't get to spend much time with or didn't get to meet in person that I genuinely have like regret that I didn't get to meet her in real life. I just like it a lot when you talk about her. Yeah, she was great. So the next thing I wanted to talk to you about was grad school. So you guys don't know this, but Brittany just keeps on living a cool life, very YOLO. But she decided to go out of the country for grad school, be super BA, and just go to, to Israel to get her master's in biblical archaeology. So you want to tell the people a little bit about that? Yeah. So when I started college, I when I started college, I wanted to do archaeology. Um, but I ended up at a Christian university where um, history was the option. For a while there, I tried to go somewhere for anthropology, but didn't like the school. So I came back to the school I had started at and just got my bachelor's in history and decided that I would go on to do my master's in archaeology. Well, three or four years pass after graduating, and I still haven't gone on to grad school. It's like that grad school, you know, if you take a break, if you don't get back at it, you're sometimes people are like, you're not going to do it. And I was like, no, I got to get back. I got to get back. So it was around 2016, the Bible group that, I, well, not Bible group, but archaeology club that I'm a part of at my alma mater, the professors there, one of them goes to Israel every year for an archaeological dig. Uh, you, you volunteer for it. You pay the money for it. It's like $2,000 something, $2,500, something like that for a whole month. Um, and you participate in a dig. So I was like, okay, this is an opportunity for me to like test it out, see if archaeology is something I really want to do. So I went on that trip for a month to Israel and I absolutely loved it. I was like, okay, this is my motivation. I got to get back and start applying for schools. And I really only applied just like I did for my bachelor's. I only applied to two schools. There was a college. Of course, I narrowed it down from a lot of different ones, but there was a college in Illinois that had biblical archaeology. And then there was a college in Israel that had biblical archaeology. Um, there's more than that, but those two I applied for. And as I was getting the uh, acceptances back, I was looking at prices and I was looking at everything. And really the school in Israel was going to cost me just as much as if I went to the school in America. And I was like, why wouldn't I take the opportunity to go to Israel and study the land of the Bible versus like being in Illinois, studying the land of the Bible, <laughs> like actually be in the land of the Bible. <laughs> exactly. First of all, yes, we applaud that you definitely made the best choice of those two places. Also, can we just go on a slight tangent about college, grad school, and the cost? The fact that my little homegirl here could have gone to Illinois and gone out of the freaking country and paid about the same. There's something wrong with that. Just saying. So I spent about 10 months there in Israel for uh, a year of... Uh, getting got my master's in archaeology and ancient Near Eastern studies. And it was probably one of the best times of my life so far. What things were influencing your choices for grad school during that time period? Was it very easy to decide all of a sudden, you know, one minute you're working and in Alabama and trying to figure out what your next step is. And then the next step you're going to Israel. So was that an easy transition for you or was it a hard one? It was originally an easy one because like my family, my sister and my uncle had come to live with me, but I knew they could take care of themselves and I wasn't too worried about that. And they know how I am and like, they know that I wanted to do this. So at first it was an easy decision, but then towards the, towards like the actual time of me going Things went down with my um, with my niece's family, and so my niece was going to come and stay with us. Um, and maybe this was like I think just three or four months before I was uh, not three or four months, maybe six months, a half a year before I was supposed to go to Israel. So there were times that I talked with my sister, like maybe I shouldn't go right now. I don't think I should go. I need to stay here and help you with her. And my sister was like, No, no, you should go. Um, so for a while it was, it was kind of like touch and go. I wasn't sure. 
because I felt a responsibility to come here. It's part of the reason that I came back, or it is the reason that I came back after 10 months and just, I didn't go on to do a thesis. Well, there were other factors, but um, this was one of the factors I came back to help out again because my, my niece was still there after a year. Um, but yeah, so it was easy at first, but then it became a little bit more difficult when other responsibilities came into the picture. So how did you eventually let go and allow yourself to be present in Israel, but then also let go of Israel to come back? I guess just kind of like once I, once I made my decision, I was like, okay, I'm going to go. Family was okay with that. Friends knew I was going. Then I just was like, okay, I'm going. Let go of that. You know, I'm good. Coming back, I think still has been hard for me occasionally. I still remember my time in Israel and think, what if? What if I had done the thesis? But then I try to remind myself, I really learned that I don't like research. I just want to volunteer. Preach that. (laughs) Preach that. I'm not even talking about Brittany. This is me selfishly talking to myself. Preach it. I thought I went to research for psychology, guys, in undergrad. And then I did my thesis. And guys, I, I still feel ashamed with this answer to this question. But one of my thesis, um, not writers, but um, what are they called? Thesis reviewers. Revisers. Yeah, revisers. One of my thesis revisers, um, when I was defending my thesis, asked me, what was the greatest thing that you learned while writing this thesis? And I knew what the answer was, guys. I knew what it was. I didn't want to say it, but I knew what it was. And so my face betrayed me, as it usually does. And I was like trying to think, what's this? What's another question? What's another thing I learned during this class? And he said, no, I'm really curious why your face changed like that. And I said, honestly, I walked into this thesis class thinking I want to do research. I left this thesis class thinking I never want to do research again. (laughs) And they all, my entire board laughed at me and thanked me for my honesty. I was, I wanted to die. I wanted to crawl up under the table after answering that question. I think if it was, I think if it was for fun, like once I get interested in something and it wasn't for a class and stuff, I would enjoy doing it, but just not for, not for like a class or anything so that's what I try to remind myself when I think about I think I mostly like when I think about not saying that extra year was just I wanted to have more fun with my friends in Israel because it was a great time and I loved it and I loved the city and I loved public transportation and I loved just having like this variety of things to do and places to travel so I think that's what I miss the most um, which is something I can you know try to get back to I can go for a summer or something there so I just try to remind myself, Brittany, you did not like the research. You do not want to spend a whole year on just research because that's what that year would have been, just doing my thesis. I'm like, no. <laughs> All right, moving forward. So this really is becoming kind of like the timeline of Brittany's life, but I'm enjoying it personally. So the next kind of timeline that kind of is during Israel, but also after Israel, is your passion for Korea or K-pop. How did you get into it? One. Do you feel like you rest? It causes you, K-pop causes you to rest. And is there parts of your love and passion for K-pop or Korean culture that you've had to let go of? Beginning, um, my, one of my best friends has been into K-pop for a long time. Yes, Malia has been into it longer, but she never was very vocal about it. This other friend was. Thank you for finally <laughs> saying that on air. Continue. <laughs> So this friend like was always sh- was always showing me video, not always, but like would occasionally show me some K-pop videos and be like, "Look at these guys, look at this," you know. And for a while, I just I didn't it didn't really hit, and I was like, "Okay, you know, it's just another like she likes anime. Like a lot of my friends like anime, and I can't really get into anime, so it was kind of like that's what I thought it was gonna be one of those things. But uh, for some reason, as soon as I got to Israel, like I just dove straight into to k-pop and was uh, of course like started i started with bts and this was 2017 so i think this is right before they blew up with like dna and stuff like that but yeah i had gotten into their song dope so that was my first like dive in so while i was in israel constant it was just korean so my classes i went from monday to wednesday and i only i went from 10 a.m to 6 p.m with classes so my body, like I had the best schedule. I loved it. I went to bed at like nine. I woke up at 5 a.m. When I woke up at 5 a.m., 
I made my breakfast and then I watched some Korean things and then I went to have breakfast. Have no, I didn't have breakfast. I went to have another. I went to have a, like a coffee and stuff and then do my homework for that day. So like I woke up every morning and did some Korean stuff or watched some Korean things and I started to try to teach myself some Korean. Not really like super focused, but when I came back, the organization that I now work at, my friend worked at, and they started a Korean class. So I started take I took two semesters of that class. Then I started working at the organization um, and just continued with my learning process through that. How has K-pop or Korean culture caused you to rest? And have you had to let go of any parts of it? K-pop and Korean definitely lets me rest. I still find it really fun. Um, I do need to get a little bit, I want to get a little bit more serious about it now that my language is up especially recently I've just realized my speaking is not where I want it to be and it should be I've been studying for almost five years I was like it needs to be better in my opinion so I need to get more serious about it but it's still really fun for me and is very relaxing probably a little too much like my day is just filled with like watching things and listening I like only listen to Korean music Um, not just k-pop of course but other Korean music letting go is there anything that I've had to let go my pride (laughs) how so how have you had to let go of your pride just kidding just kidding a little bit i mean i think for a while i was kind of timid about it or a little scared about like liking korean because it was when everything got when korean got really big or k-pop got really big here was when that's almost when i fell out of love with korean honestly i started liking it like just right before like i said it was like right before dna and other things blew up so it started getting really popular. And I admit, I'm a little bit of a hipster, okay? I'm a little bit like, Ooh, now it's popular. I can, nobody can know that I like this, you know? <laughs> and then I think I had a fear of being called, you know, Nate, like Korea Boo is a big one, you know, that people like, you know, I was like, I don't want to show it too much. So I just like let that go because I'm like, and I used to not want to say like, if because of course, like once you start tra- speaking Korean and you're talking to people, they're going to ask you like, why did you become interested in Korean? And I didn't want to say K-pop, but like now I'm just like, yeah, K-pop, like what's wrong with that? You know, I got into it and because of BTS, like, yes, I am your average girl. Okay. <laughs> I am B to the A to the S to the I to the C. <laughs> I am okay with that. You know what? <laughs> I like my K-pop, okay? So, yeah, I'll just, like, go of my pride a little bit, I guess. And I think, I don't know. I don't know if I've let go of anything else, really. I've talked a little bit about how I am a nanny. And I have not been a nanny with the same family this whole time. I've been a nanny off and on for about the last five years of my life. And I've worked for three different families. So there's been some transition in my job. And so I'm curious for you, Brittany, You've gone through some transitions with your job. What have you had to let go of? What are you holding on to? And what is a source of rest for you with your job? Recently with like this particular job, like I've, I've gone through like many different jobs in my life um, since college. And this one had been the longest one that I had held. And I recently went from full time to like less than part time. It was a decision that I had planned to make, but it happened sooner than I thought. So it's been a little hard letting go of that, I guess, like the way that it went, the way that I, that it happened and everything is like it not going the way that I had planned has been a little difficult. It's been very restful though. I've really loved it. I realized that I still cannot set my own boundaries or I don't know how to set my own boundaries and I still have a hard time saying no and this job was extremely difficult for me in that sense and so now with the part-time the part-time has set those boundaries for me so I know what boundaries I have and I know what I say no to you know anything outside of those part-time hours but the problem now is that I'm worried about the next job Will I be able to set boundaries? Was it the job that I was in and the environment I was in? Or is it all just me? Am I the one who can't set the boundaries and say no? Does that make sense? So I'm trying to figure out, yeah, I'm trying to figure out, you know, I don't want to go into my next job and it be the same situation. Go into a job thinking you're going to love it. And then it's like, why do I hate this? And it's like, wait a minute. The common denominator in both of these jobs is me. (laughs) Uh, The struggle is real. Mm. 
I think that that's been something that I've tried to take with me each of my transitions with the families is what's something that I learned about myself while I was here and then what's something that I don't want to take into the next family and I think each time I switch families I think I take my consistency with me and I think each time I at least for my first two the thing that I feel like I left was my timidity about how much I would get paid so I used to be really timid about like I feel like I deserve to be paid this much but then you always get like people lowballing you people who don't know how much you should really be paid like they don't know how to treat a nanny versus a versus a babysitter. For my second job, I think the thing that I kind of left behind was, mm, how do I say this? I think I realized that I cannot take on the negative feelings of someone else. So there was negative feelings kind of placed on me and opinions placed on me because of someone else. And I used to try to like really prove myself and be like, I'm not that way. Like I have shown myself to be consistent in these areas. Like you should trust me. But the situation was not such that the person could trust me. They were going through a lot of stuff and just weren't processing it very well. And so I think my consistency at the time was enough, but I was so stressed at the time about like proving myself that I wasn't able to enjoy the last like six months of my job there. And so I think with this job now, the thing that I'm continuing forward is my consistency. And I think the thing I'm leaving behind is I'm trying to leave behind worry. Like every time I transitioned from a new family or to some type of new job, there's always like this brief period, because I really don't like to sit in it very long, but like this brief period of anxiety of like, I don't want it to look like I'm lazy because I'm, I have a gap in my career history, but a gap does not naturally mean laziness. And I think anyone who knows me for any long period of time kind of figures that out. So I think for me, it's learning that gaps in my professional history do not automatically mean laziness is something that I'm going to have to learn in this next transition. Yeah, I mean, there's always going to be gaps, I think, like, you normally between, like, transitioning between. Sometimes, you know, it just it just usually works out that way. There's nothing to be, like, ashamed about or worried about with it. So when the last transitions for you that I have, um, unless you have something at the end for me. So we did a podcast together. So we were co-hosts together. Why did you want to start that? What parts of the podcast were restful for you? And then how did you know that letting go of it was the right thing? What made me want to start it was originally I had planned to do a history podcast and I couldn't, I just kept going back and couldn't really figure out my like shtick. I couldn't figure out what I wanted to really do with it. And so uh, during that time, Malia and I were getting together in the at nights we were going to this neighborhood and walking around and just talking about our days about our life the struggles the ups and downs we get in the car and we drive around town you know just spend an hour two three hours together just talking and the podcast had been in my mind and suddenly I was just like I don't know I just asked Malia I was like why don't we do a podcast together about and these talks I felt like these are struggles that other people are going through so maybe it would be good for them to listen to us um and if we're still going through that struggle or how we got through that struggle maybe it could be helpful to someone and so Malia was thankfully down for it and (laughs) (laughs) we did it I love how every time you retell this story you're like Malia was thankfully down for it I'm like am I usually outside of her traveling out of the country I'm usually down for it well that was another sudden thought of mine you know nothing planned out so that was good the restful times for me was like when we recorded it was just like our conversations again so I liked just talking but for me I realized it was time to let it go when Malia and I's relationship started getting rocky because of it we both had different, you know, opinions and ideas about what to do with the podcast. My relationship with her was more important than the podcast. 
And that's when I thought, okay, we probably, yeah, I don't think we need to be doing this anymore if we can't figure out, like, what we want to do with it, like, come up with a compromise. Yeah, I think for me, um, a reason I was willing to do it is because you had so much energy in, in, in it. Like, the way she talked about it, I was like, oh, yeah, this will be fun. It won't be work, all this other stuff. So I I bought your idea, which if we if I discuss Enneagram types at all, it will be to say that sevens will trick you into so many things that, oh, this is going to be fun. This is going to be I awesome. First of all, it would have been fun, okay? But someone wanted to make it into work, all right? <laughs> sevens will trick you into thinking that easy things would have been fun if I was with another seven yes it would have been fun if you were with another seven yes it would have been crazy oh lord (laughs) jokingly but a little seriously like I I think for me I saw the dream and I thought oh I'm excited about her dream like I want to make it happen help her make it happen at the beginning it was oh we're going to just record these conversations that's not going to be hard all this other stuff I think for me I did take a lot of the fun out of it because I was trying to work out logistics. And also at the time I was going through a job transition during that time. So I think I was just not in a very fun state of mind for that period. And then once I started enjoying podcasting and figuring out like the logistics of it all, I think I, because I had been so serious about it at the beginning, I took out the fun for Brittany, kind of convincing her that, Hey, I'm, I want to be a fun co-host. Like we could do continue this and this could be fun. And then she was going through, through her own transitions during that time. So I felt like we were always transitioning. Like I had my job transition at the beginning of our podcast. Then Brittany kind of had like an emotional job transition in the middle of our podcast. And then towards the end, I feel like we were both transitioning and it was just a really good time that, and I felt like we were both mature enough to say, Hey, Listen, like we we said at the beginning of this that, you know, we'd have our friendship over everything. I think we're both in a place where if we continue this, we're going to hate each other at the end of it. Instead of hating each other or hating each other's guts at the end of this, how about we end this in an honoring way for both of us? We do the episodes that we weren't able to do. We do the we talk about the topics that we really wanted to talk about and end this in a way that we can say, hey, I did my this podcast with one of my best friends we learned some good things we learned some bad things we learned about our each other's work ethics we learned about each other we learned about ourselves but we decided to pick our each other over the podcast and over our dreams and desires for that podcast instead of saying hey we're gonna power through and we're gonna make this a great business and we're going to make this a great podcast and then have our relationship suffer for it afterwards and I mean, we were transitioning, we were transitioning the same, but at different times. So it just, we weren't matching up. And um, I mean, Malia did what she needed to do. Cause like if, if she hadn't have, like thought about logistics or trying to make some money out of this thing or whatever, we, I, the podcast would have just been like craziness, you know, and we would have had no money. She did all the plans. She did everything while I'm just over here, like complaining about editing, like, <laughs> <laughs> so there needed to be some no fun aspect of it I just was not ready for that at the time (laughs) I can definitely see that and then I think neither of us had really had to deal with each other working with each other we had planned trips together we had done like a couple shows and when I think of shows I'm thinking like jamboree we had done jamboree together we had done projects together but we had never done work together and I have just realized that Cause I've had a couple people see me working. I am a different person at work than I am outside of work. And not that like, Oh, I'm a kind person here and I'm a mean person there. The kids that I take care of have, have said it before. And my friends who have seen me working have said it before. I am way quieter when I am at work than when I'm with my friends, I am way more subdued. And also I am way more no nonsense when I'm working than when I'm with my friends. And so I think that that was another area of, of learning about myself and about each other that like you had to deal with me in a, in a very different context than you usually had to deal with me. And I don't think you had ever seen that side of me before. 
know. And I'm pretty much like the same person. Anti-conflict, a lot of fun, tricking people into work. That's going to be work. <laughs> <laughs> this will be fun, it's guys. If I, in- if I didn't intentionally do it, okay? That's true. Listen, your other seven friend also tricks me into a lot of work. And regarding you, I think you actually hit on like most of the transitional things we were talking about because you talked about your job and then you talked about the podcast with me and everything. The only other thing I would talk about is more personal if you're willing to answer. Just like you did with my mom, your parents, I don't know if you've already talked about it on, on this podcast, but your parents have both gone through cancer. How do you find or did you find rest during that time and what did you have to let go of and what are you still working on? it's still it's still a thing it is still a thing um cancer even when it's not there never really fully goes away once you get the big c diagnosis so i've talked about it generally but not specifically so both of my parents have had cancer um more specifically my dad got diagnosed with cancer literally three weeks before i they drove me up to school for college my even headspace with being a freshman was very different than a lot of my peers. And then my mom got diagnosed with cancer end of my sophomore year of college, beginning of my junior year of college. I think something that I let go of in the beginning with my dad's cancer diagnosis was that I would have a normal childhood anymore automatically you tell someone, oh, hey, my parents have cancer and you stop being who you are. Um, You kind of become the cancer patient's kid or you become, oh, that's the girl whose dad has cancer or whose mom has cancer. So I think I let go of the idea that I could just be Malia and not be Malia whose parents who had cancer. How I had to find rest was different at different points. I'm kind of grateful that the first couple of years of his cancer diagnosis, I was actually mostly away from home and he was able to still work because it gave me time to figure out, okay, this is something that I can actively do to help with the situation. These are things that I cannot do to help with the situation. These are times when I need to step back and take care of myself because I'm a priority. And these are these other times where I have to push myself a little bit harder because maybe they're going through different surgeries, maybe they're going through chemo, maybe they're going through radiation, going through a lot of doctor's appointments, but it's kind of like an ebb of flow. I had to figure that out. And I think for, so my mom ended up having surgery and her cancer was um, gone. My dad went through chemo and then his uh, cancer was gone for about three years. And then it just recently returned and he did a radiation and a lot of the cells shrunk back down. And so ways that I'm letting things I'm letting go of is that my parents will always be cancer free. Um, That's not to say that I don't hope for that and still wish for that. It's just, I cannot allow a cancer diagnosis to be the end of me. And I feel like I learned that the hard way with both of my parents getting cancer. So now I feel like when people tell me, oh, I have cancer or so-and-so I know has cancer, I feel like I react very stoically because I'm like, okay, so what are we going to do about that? What do you need? Uh, what, what can I do for you? And it's not like, oh my God, you have cancer. It's the end of the world. You're going to die. It's like, okay, you have cancer. And that's really hard. And it looks very different for different people. Like my parents' cancer battles were totally different and have continued to be very different. My reaction is different to cancer now. I guess how I rest now in my dad's new cancer diagnosis is that I feel like I'm always storing energy, whether that's emotional energy, spiritual energy, or just energy for when it's really needed. So for example and I've talked about this on the podcast, that my grandmother passed away recently. And so I feel like I stored a lot of emotional, physical energy for going to that funeral with my dad. And I was able to give that to him while I was there. And I was able to be emotionally present while I was there. But then I was also able to say, hey, dad, 
you know, when we separated ways at the airport, you know, I'm going to spend some time away from you and I'm going to take some rest from me. And sadly that turned into a sinus infection was part of how my rest went. But I have taken, I've noticed myself taking some time away from him. I still ask about him. We've talked on the phone a couple of times, but I have intentionally created some distance so that I can take care of myself. So closing, I kind of wanted to give the people maybe our best advice about how to, how we know when to hold, when to hold on, when to let go and when to rest. When to let go. Um, Sometimes I know to let go when it becomes like, normally when I'm at rock bottom or it becomes some major issue or some, unfortunately, like that's a lot of times when I know, oh, yeah, more, it's more like, oh, I should have let go earlier. Gotcha. Like trusting your instincts more, just say particular, let's just say, for example, with a job, um, hypothetically. Um, if you've decided, if you've thought about, you know, I think I should let go of this job. I think I should let go. I'm going to try and let go of this job. But you keep working at that job and then something happens and you're like, oh, yeah, should have let go. Should have let go. Now it's time to let go. Like just trusting your instincts more. When something too becomes so stressful on you, it's affecting you and your life and your emotions. It's time to let go. Um, now, does that mean like making, like, let's say it's a person. Um, for me, I had a relationship that was toxic in my opinion, or just, I don't want to say toxic, but it just affected me a lot. Their, their problems and their emotions and their dealings affected me so much and it shouldn't have, but it did. And that's when I realized, okay, I need to let go of this relationship. Now I'm still close with this person. But I have, the the relationship has shifted. I've let go of those, their emotions burdening me. And that's created a different relationship. And I'm okay with that. Resting. For me, like, I'm all about self-care and whatever self-care works for you. For me, like, Malia and I occasionally would take a trip to Atlanta, go to a spa, I go get my nails done. These days I'm doing my makeup a little bit. No one probably would have known that I like makeup. I do. I just never had time to do makeup. Um, never wanted to take the time to do it. And now that I don't have, like I have less work, <laughs> I'll do some makeup. It's not anything extravagant or anything like that, but I like doing it. I like how it looks on my face. So I do that. Just taking time for yourself, stepping away, another stepping away kind of thing. It's not like letting go, but just for me, especially being extroverted, actually ambivert. I've gone back into my introverted self and normally I would plan something like every single day or try to plan something every week with somebody. Want to hang out all the time. And these days, you know, I've been more like I need to recharge by just being alone and just doing something you like studying for me, studying Korean or watching a Korean video, you know, holding on, letting go rest. Um, when it's beneficial for both of you, um, or whatever it is, if it's beneficial for you, if it's something that you feel like, okay, there's like minor bumps right now, but this is worth it in the end. This is going to be worth it in the end. You know, if there's a relationship that you've had for so long and you're hitting a rough patch, but you can kind of tell it's a rough patch. It's not like so damning that you like have to let go. I don't know. I think sometimes like just trusting your gut with these things. Um, if not talking to another friend and getting their advice on it, like, do you think I should let go of this? Like, what do you, you know, just your trustworthy friend. That's what I do a lot of times when I'm not sure. Um, or when I think I have made a decision, um, I go talk to them about it and be like, okay, what do you think? Like, this is what I'm thinking. What do you think? And see, you know, if they don't confirm it or if they confirm it or just getting their, their opinions on things. I like doing that. Thank you. So I'm going to do this kind of um, in a certain order. I'm going to do letting go, holding on, and then resting. Ways that I've learned to let go is when it takes more from me than it gives to me. And I'm going to say something later that's going to sound like a contradiction to that. But I think that when things are habitually taking more from you, um, and habitually meaning constantly, 
when I say taking more from you than giving to you, I mean, from a selfish place, someone is taking more from you selfishly and not returning to you, then it might be time to let them go. Also, a sign that you might need to let a job or an activity go is if you dread that activity. There were things that I had started to dread doing that I'm like, oh, I have to do this and I have to do that. And then just having like people like my roommate or having people like my mom say, you don't have to do that. Just having someone combat my ideas of things I had to do was so good for me during those times where I had to let go of things that I realized, oh, wait, I don't have to do anything. There's not many things I have to do. There are like three things in total that I have to do every day. And a lot of times the things that I'm doing are not those three things. And so just realizing what you have to do versus what you want and get to do is really good about figuring out whether you need to let something go. Um, Holding on to. So I am a pretty loyal person and I think that people should be loyal friends and in people's lives for the long haul, um, whether it looks good, bad, or indifferent. Um, So I believe in holding on even when things get ugly. Um, I would say hold on when you know that if you had more emotional capacity in that same situation, you would stay. So I'd say to hold on to that situation if you realize, mm, you know, like for example, this week, I have felt very low energy wise and capacity wise, but I also have been taking a lot of medication for this infection. And so I just realized that, you know, I don't have a lot of capacity for things that I don't have to do in a given day. So I'm just not doing them. And so, but I'm still holding on to those things. I'm still holding on to school. I'm still holding on to work. I'm still holding on to teaching, which are some things that I'm doing that I don't have to do, but I get to do. Know when to hold on by maybe checking in with yourself and saying, am I just feeling this way right now? Or am I feeling this way always? And then lastly, rest. I'll talk to two different groups of people because I feel like there's two different groups of people in the world. There's people like me who really, really struggle with resting and consider rest to be lazy and have had to untrain themselves in that mentality that resting is laziness. So to you guys, I would say, if you don't rest, you literally will die. Um, And I feel like COVID taught me that the hard way is it stopped me in my tracks It really did make me rest and be still and get okay in my mental space with a lot of things of not being able to do and not being able to do for myself. Like if I hadn't had my roommate at the time taking care of me the way that she was and my mom checking in with me the way that she was, I fully believe I could have died from COVID just from emotional, emotional sadness alone. The depression itself would have killed me. If I hadn't had people making sure that I was eating, taking medication, um, taking, taking care of myself like I was supposed to be. And then there are people who resting comes easier to you. So you kind of need more of a kick in the pants to do stuff. And so for those people, I would say, make sure that your rest is constructive. So are you constantly just being lazy? Like, are you constantly just watching shows? Are you constantly just um, ignoring things that you have to do, procrastinating? Or is your rest actually giving your brain and your body and your heart and your spirit time away so that you'll have stored up energy for something that you really want to do later? So that's how I kind of characterize letting go, holding on, and resting. Um, Any other things you would want to add, Brittany? I did think of a caveat for letting go while you were talking. If the, let's say, particularly what I'm thinking of is a relationship other person is letting go you're not ready for that letting go or you you don't know where that letting go is coming from there are times where i think that's really hard and depending on what kind of letting go it is like are they trying to let go because they don't want to deal with they've hit a hard patch with you and they don't want to deal with it and they're like no i'm done then i'm like no i'm gonna hold on to this for a little bit longer because i think we can get through this However, if they're just like, I don't know, it just depends. It's another gut kind of feeling, but I'm just letting go because I'm done with this. I don't, I don't care anymore or something like that. It's like, okay, there's no point in me trying to, to, to deal with you then. 
Um, and so I would like go in that situation. I'm just thinking of certain relationships I've had in my life and some that I'm going through now. And there's also like some friends that maybe you're trying to let go because they're going through something in their own lives that's really hard. And they think that they are alone and they don't want to, they don't feel like they can talk to anyone about it. So they're kind of letting go of everyone. And I try to like stay persistent in their lives. Um, try to hold on. I give them the space, but I still let them know, hey, I'm here. Um, I'm not going anywhere and you don't expect me to like disappear because I know you're still there kind of thing. Yeah, I can definitely see that. And I, I think that with time, we all kind of learn how far to release someone. So how far to let them go. And then also when we hold on and then also understanding that people, some relationships really are seasonal. Sometimes you're friends with someone for a long period of time and then it ends. Sometimes your relationship goes through seasons. And I, I'm just, especially being single myself, I think I view relationships as more than just romantic relationships being work. Friendship relationships and familial relationships are work too. And they're not going to be good unless you work hard at them. So people don't just have good families because they have good families and they say good. No, they work at that junk. My friends and I do not just stay friends because we want to stay friends. And it's always right. been easy and it's always been fun and it's always been good, easy and all this other crap. No, it works because we work hard at it and we call each other on BS and we cry and we laugh and then we get angry and then we forgive and mention it forgiveness a lot of forgiveness goes all the way around in this group good relationships take work stop making it sound like only romantic relationships take work your really good friendships are gonna take work so you've got to put in that time with your work so i think we gave some good advice honestly yes. that quality <laughs> advice at the end so guys thank you for coming to the surviving the waves podcast i appreciate Brittany you being my guest for my finale yay you're welcome and i will hopefully see and talk to you guys after the break i will talk to you in i think it's either october or november yes so you'll hear from me again in october or november take care until then bye guys bye